0: Everybody, I just wanted to hop on here quick before we get into the episode. Today we're talking about Passover, and the format of this episode is a little bit different from other episodes I've done. We had the Passover Seder meal, and then we sat down to have a conversation, and I've included some of the clips from the Seder meal into our conversation. I wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of some of the worship that's included in the Seder meal so you can hear a little bit about what's included, but I am really excited about this episode. I feel like it's the bringing together of a lot of different areas for me, and I think it's going to be really great. So I'm excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's go into the episode. to the Retreat House podcast where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host Angie Smith and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House Table. Today we are talking about what should I know about the Passover? And my intention about wanting to talk about the Passover is I feel like the better we as Christ followers or I as a Christ follower understand the Passover. It's going to make the Lord's Supper, when we go into Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper, richer and have more texture. And also part of it was I really wanted to have my father-in-law on the podcast and coming up to Easter and thinking, oh, he's an Old Testament professor. This would be really great to bring these two things together. So I asked him to be a part of the podcast, and he said yes. So I would like to introduce you to my father-in-law, Dr. Gary Smith. He taught in seminary for over 35 years um, in Canada, in Minnesota, in the Midwest. He has celebrated the Passover in Israel. He's celebrated it here in the States at a synagogue, and then also has done, uh, at someone's home, done a Christian Passover. And so when I asked him if he he would do this with me, I I didn't have a clear plan of what that would look like. And so he said, well, have you ever done it? And I said, no. So that is where we started. And I just, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and hope that you, the listener, get a lot out of it as well. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. So we've talked a lot about how to take this big topic of Passover and try to make it fit into a podcast episode. So I think we'll just kind of dive into what Passover is, what they were celebrating. And then I thought once we went through the Passover meal, it was really impactful to me personally. I mean, it was exactly what I had wanted to get, having that richer understanding and texture of the Last Supper by understanding Passover. And so I think... Maybe we'll just walk people through the order or the seder of Passover.
1: Good. Well, I thought rather than us just talk about it, that you and your family should experience it,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> so it was... that,
1: that makes it a lot more sense to what we're talking about once you've experienced it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it was so great to do it as a family too—to have Todd and the boys, and Susan, and you, and you know, all of us together doing it too.
1: Right. Although in the Old Testament, they did it as a family originally Mm -hmm. in Exodus. Later, they did it at the temple. Oh, And it was done at the temple for many, many years. But sometimes people would do it at their own home as well. Mm -hmm. And interesting, Jesus didn't go to the temple to celebrate it. He went to a room to do it kind of privately so he could share some new insights that he had about the Passover.
0: Yeah, which I'm excited about when we get there. So the first thing I found out that I thought was really interesting is that sometimes Passover is called the Seder meal as well and that that Seder just means order.
1: Order exactly.
0: That's an order of the service and that the Passover Seder then this meal is is worship with a meal which I didn't understand either.
1: Exactly. So you actually have supper in the middle of the of the worship. You have worship, you go through a, a two cups before Mm -hmm. and two cups after, and a lot of reading before and a lot of reading after.
0: (laughs) We did an abridged version. (laughs) I
1: wondered if the boys would stay awake for the whole (laughs) thing, but yes, they. and we had them read and participate, Mm -hmm. and I think that's much more meaningful when everyone is involved rather than just have one person reading everything.
0: Right, yep. Well, let's start at the beginning about, I guess, the first Passover and why Passover and kind of the story that Passover is telling
1: Sure. Going back to Exodus, we know that the children of Israel were in Egypt, Mm -hmm. and eventually they were enslaved, not by the first pharaoh, but at least by the last couple of pharaohs. They were moaning and groaning and praying to God, why is this happening? And if you read Exodus, you'll hear the story about they were trying to kill all the male children at first, Mm -hmm. throw them in the Nile River. Eventually, God came and saved them. So the story, of course, revolves around the, the ten plagues. And so in the Passover meal, you read about the ten plagues. Mm-hmm. And then the deliverance and the whole experience of God passing over the Israelites because they had the blood on the doors and killing the firstborn of the Egyptians.
0: Mm-hmm. And also the there's part of it, too, of looking forward to... Well, the seat for the Messiah, or sometimes it was referred to as Elijah.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yes, we had an empty chair at our table. Right. With a glass of uh, grape juice, waiting for the Messiah to come, Mm -hmm. as is traditional in a Jewish home. At some point, we asked one of the children is supposed to ask, you know, or maybe I asked, I think it was, Has the Messiah come? Is the cup still full? And obviously, it's still full, but we're awaiting that to happen. So, mm-hmm. yes, that is part of the the story, the hope that we have for the future. You might say something much bigger than the exodus of the past.
0: Right, right. So, well, let's get let's kind of dive into it then and walk a little bit through the process of what the order of the service is. So, so, so when we sat down, there was a lot of instruction that you had to give since um, I had never done it, and Todd. <laughs> hadn't really remembered going going through it right. probably because he was so young
1: and the boys I, I was very important i think for the boys to understand kind of where we were coming from and what this was involved with because if they were going to appreciate it at all right they need to have some so i spent i don't know 10 minutes i think it was just kind of going through some introductory things about you know the plate and what's on the plate, and what the meaning of the things, are the, what they symbolize, mm-hmm. and kind of preparing you that we're going to sing a hymn at the beginning and a hymn at the end, and we're going to have.
0: But we're not going to sing on the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you can if you want.
0: No, no I don't want to. <laughs> you can add that as a special. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very special. Um, yeah, and so on the on my website with this episode, I'll have some pictures of things and some resources, so people will be able to see Good. visually what we're talking about let's walk through the Seder plate and what's on it and why those things are on it.
1: Well, some of the things we don't really know why they're on there. Okay. <laughs> but some of them we do. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, come from the Bible. So there's a, a bone. And my wife went to Cub Food and bought got a bone. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, it's a leg bone of a, of a lamb. Okay. But uh, those aren't as easy to come by. So we just got a bone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's symbolic of the lamb that was roasted at the time of the exodus and then its
0: blood was put above the door right and the blood was put
1: above the door so that's to remind us of that sacrifice of that lamb it's not you might say I guess it was traditional then to have lamb but even today I would say I don't know what percentage many many Jewish people don't necessarily have lamb okay so it's not a requirement we had chicken which Mm -hmm. is very common in our meal that we ate. But mm-hmm. on the plate is the, the bone to remember the lamb that was slain to provide a hope and a deliverance from the children of Israel, from the angel who would come. Then there was uh, the egg. The egg is not any never mentioned in the Bible. Okay. So this was invented somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. and I've read things about what might have been the possible origin of it. But no one really knows so what does it mean uh, some people think it believes new life it's it's really we don't know exactly but it, it's not really part of the symbolism of the exodus okay so it's been added and then there's the the horset. set uh, it's a combination of apples honey wine nuts and cinnamon and again there are different interpretations but one interpretation that's very common is that it refers to the mortar that the Jewish people used when they were making bricks.
0: Okay, when they were enslaved by
1: When they were enslaved. So as right. you remember the hard work that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And if you've read or seen the Exodus film, you know something about the the men stomping in the mud uh with with in making the bricks. Mhm. We actually eat this. Of course, you didn't eat the mud, right? Right. (laughs) So not everything is just kind of equal back and forth. Mm -hmm. We don't actually go out and slog in the mud during the during the meal. Then you have the bitter herbs, symbolic of the bitter slavery, and that's in the Bible. Okay. So here we have a clear connection.
0: And we had horseradish. Horseradish. Yes.
1: Tell us about what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, the boys. I don't think they had had it before. because, And we'll get to the greens in a minute. So our greens were parsley. Parsley. And you're supposed to dip the green in the bitter herb. And right. so they dipped it, really dipped it. And then took a bite, and I think I was I was not paying attention, and so they got that horseradish in their mouth. And Charlie, honestly, his whole neck and head just turned bright red. And Ben had this awful look on his face of what What are we doing?" So it was a rough start for them into the Passover meal.
1: Well, it was made a meaningful <laughs> right, experience yeah. of what the bitter herbs were all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they were so, they went a little lighter on it the next time we
1: were supposed <laughs> to do that <laughs> so let's see we, we talked you talked about the greens a little bit and we have a not on the plate we had around the table dishes of salt water which we would dip into to remember the some say the bitter tears uh some say the symbolism of the sea that they went through i i like the the tears better myself mm-hmm but again, that's not part of the biblical data that we have.
0: But the the dishes, and what I think is interesting, then when you go and read the account of the Last Supper, is that because we were sharing, there were, we had two people to one right. bowl of salt water, and it talks about that Jesus was sharing a bowl with Judas, with Judas, which I thought was it was one of those things. that was oh my gosh, it was this is the <laughs> this is the dish, this is the dish of salt water that he's sharing. So right there it started to make my understanding of Passover was making the Last Supper have more texture. Right. right. More understanding of it.
1: I think even people listening to this discussion here, if they could go and have a Passover Seder Mm -hmm. sometime, Mm -hmm. it would that's really makes it much more meaningful than just talking about it or Right. To experience it. Experience it. it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which I was so glad that we did it that you said, Well maybe we should just do one (laughs) Which I was very excited about. Once you gave the instruction about sort of what things stood for, then we started, and we started with a hymn, and we're not going to sing it.
1: (laughs) And then the lighting of the candles.
0: Right. And what was the significance of the candles and who lights them?
1: I think this is just Jewish tradition, that it's always the women who light the candles and who give the blessing on the candles. Okay. And so we had, uh, I think you did the blessing, and my wife did the lighting of the Mm -hmm. candles. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who hast made the distinction between the sacred and the profane, between light and darkness, between Israel and other nations, between the Sabbath and the six days of toil.
1: Uh, it's representing the light. I think that uh, this is true on the even on the Sabbath day. The candles are lit by the women of the
0: house. Okay. And then from there, then we went into...
1: We did the first cup... It's called the cup of sanctification. Being holy, of course, is much more than just washing your hands. Right. But symbolically, we did that by washing our hands.
0: More of a ceremonial. It's more
1: of a ceremonial thing, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yep, so we do that one, and then we drink the first cup, and then we move on to the second cup.
1: But between them, we have lots of readings about maybe maybe you should read one of these just to give them a flavor for what we said.
0: And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day, and the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because that in it he rested from his work, which God in creating had made.
1: Difficult English.
0: It is difficult English.
1: And then the last paragraph on that page talks about the blessings of the God made a distinction between the sacred and the profane and the light and the darkness between Israel and the nations between the Sabbath and the six days of toil so introducing the the light and the distinction between light and darkness
0: and then right before we drink the first cup of wine there's that blessing would you would you do it in Hebrew and then I'll do it in English
1: okay Blessed
0: art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who created the fruit of the earth. And then we drank the first cup.
1: Right. It's interesting. uh, Again and again, I'm not sure how many times, 12 or 15 times, it's blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, Mm -hmm. because of what you have done. There's a very high concept of God and his power and his great graciousness and his redemption here. It's very worshipful.
0: Mm-hmm. And then after that we take the egg and we had a, each of us had an egg. Right. And took it and cut it and dipped it into the salt water. Salt water. And ate it.
1: And I think we also did the carpus, the that's the bitter the, the bitter, parsley. The parsley and the, the, the green. <laughs> that's where the boys.
0: That's where the boys first experienced horseradish. Yes. So then we fill the second cup.
1: We read about the sons, the different sons: uh, the wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the one who knows not how to ask.
0: Well, and even before that, where the way that it starts out is, how does this night differ from on all other nights?
1: Right, that's the question that the boys are to ask.
0: Right, how does this night differ
2: from all other nights? For on the night we might eat leavened bread or unleavened bread but on this night we eat only unleavened bread for on all other nights we eat all kinds of herbs but on this night we eat bitter herbs on all other nights we do not dip herbs even once when tonight we dip them twice on all other nights we eat either sitting or recline but on this night we all recline
1: We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord our God brought us forth from thence with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Had not the Holy One, blessed be he, brought out our fathers from Egypt, then we, our children and our children's children, would still have been slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And even were we all wise, all of us of great understanding, all advanced in years, all families with the Torah, it would still be our duty to recount the story of the coming forth from Egypt. And all who recount at length the story of the coming from Egypt are to be verily praised. So it's, a very edu- it's supposed to be educational. Uh, one of the purposes is to get the children into the history of the nation to mm-hmm. understand what God has done for them. It would be similar to us having Easter. And what we do, we read through the Easter story to educate our children mm-hmm. to what God has done for us. Right. So the the evidence that I have that God loves me is Christ's death on the cross. For the Jewish person, the evidence that God loves them is the, the exodus. Mm-hmm. It's proof that he loves them. There's no question about that. And so it's very important as the center pillar of their faith when they receive the covenant from God that their children know this and understand the background.
0: Right. And, that, yeah, the way that he intervened. Yes. The way that he came and set them free, telling that story of... Their story, their the story, story of their people
1: what happened to my my our great grandfathers
0: and then it goes on to talk about uh that they're talking about four sons from the Torah, right one is wise, one is wicked, one is simple, one knows not how to ask. do we know what the significance of of that is
1: well it's it's getting the kids involved into uh, what kind of kid do you want to be
0: mm which son uh, do you want
1: to be? Which son do you want to be? Do you want to be a wise son? Well, then this is what happens. He inquires about what's the meaning of this service. And the simple son isn't interested.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it basically it's trying to motivate the children to take, participate and to understand what the significance of what's going on. And then? We read more and more and more about the time in Egypt. And what happened, uh, they were afflicted by the pharaoh. And then eventually we come to the plagues. And one interesting thing they ha- we do when we do the plagues is for each plague, mm. we put a drop of grape juice on our piece of matzah. So we go through the first plague, the turning of the water to blood, and you put a drop on the matzah. Mm-hmm. And so you do ten Which is drops.
0: really, because the matzah is white, and then you're dropping the juice or the wine on it and its color right. so you can clearly see the the drops on the on the unleavened bread
1: and of course you you realize how God intervened and in mm-hmm. the power of God and the deliverance of God that happened at each plague and the stubbornness of the Egyptians unwilling to bend to God's will mm-hmm. so we did not do all 10 plagues because it takes a long time right <laughs> <laughs> But we did do the drops, and then at the end, uh, the, four, the tenth plague, of course, is the killing of the firstborn.
4: Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover.
2: On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods in Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations
4: to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on those days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do.
0: And then there were the more questions, the Passover lamb, the leavened bread, you know, what are the reasons for them? What are the reasons for the herbs?
1: Right. These these are connected to the biblical account based on the biblical evidence.
0: And then you drink the second cup.
1: After the deliverance, yes. Then you drink the second cup. And at that point, then one is able to eat the matzah, and and it's blessed, and then you're ready for the meal.
0: And I'll have a, I'll have this in the show notes as well. But the meal is, well, the meal that we had was chicken soup with matzah balls, chicken, boiled potatoes, vegetables, salad, which was the how do you say it, horset? Horset, and which is almost like a. Ch- I thought it kind of tasted like a chutney, almost. Yeah.
1: It's mostly mostly apples and mm-hmm. nuts.
0: Yep, and cinnamon. Yeah, and matzah, the unleavened bread, and then the dessert was lemon pudding.
1: One thing that uh, we should have had more matzah available. Mm. Uh, we did. We didn't buy as much as uh, probably we should have, but we had enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what we didn't talk about too is that the when we sat down to the table, the matzah was hidden in the napkins. Right. And was there significance to? Yes, there are three that?
1: pieces of matzah that you you hide in the napkin and then one piece is pulled out from the the leader and hidden and it's called the efikoman uh, but it's not a part of the original
0: passover passover actually. you
1: read about in the bible but somewhere along in tradition it came about and it has significance i think that we can talk about when it shows up here in the text here
0: okay so we ate the meal
1: then you go back to the readings fill the third cup with it. And then here's where the afikamen comes in. Uh, it's so, hidden. hidden, And then uh, the question is, what does it symbolize? For a Christian, it's quite easy because many people believe that the third cup is where Jesus initiated the communion service.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The afikamen is broken and passed out. And okay. so that would be What did Jesus do? He Mm -hmm. took the bread and he broke it and he passed it out. And you have the third cup. They did did it with the the wine Mm -hmm. at the same time. Now, there's arguments. Some people believe the third cup was the communion. Some people believe the fourth cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know it was after the supper. So it it was either the third or the fourth cup. Mm -hmm. And what does it really matter? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 But the the Sophicomen, which is not in Exodus, makes a good if it were present in the time of Jesus, which mm-hmm. we think it was, because Hillel and Gamaliel both talk about it, makes it a perfect place for Jesus to in- initiate the Lord's Supper.
0: Well, even in part of the, the reading from it, where it says, May the All-Merciful let us inherit the day which shall be holy, a Sabbath, and day of rest in the life everlasting. May the All-Merciful let us inherit the day which is altogether good. May the All-Merciful... all-merciful privilege us to witness the day of the messiah and the life of the world to come a tower of salvation is he to his king and showered mercy to his anointed to david and to his seed forevermore he who maketh peace in his high places may he make peace for us and for all of israel and say ye, amen that part about the day of the messiah mm-hmm. when i read that and was thinking it could have been the third cup all right like that seems like a...
1: Fits right in. F- yeah. Fits perfectly in.
0: To, then Jesus taking the bread and the wine.
1: Right. What we don't know is when this started and was this what they read mm-hmm. back in that right, day? Right. <laughs> or is Or is this the modern version? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's the modern version, but I, I think it relates to what they said back in the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It would not have been totally contrary to what they would have said. So... The second half is more hopeful and more future-oriented, and the fourth cup especially. The third cup is usually thought to be the cup of salvation, and that fits, of course, very much into what Jesus did.
0: Right, and that's where you fill the cup for the Messiah Right. was during the third cup as well.
1: Right. And then after the third cup, we have a lot of uh, the praise of God from the Hallel, uh, Psalms 113 to I think 119, or I'm not sure exactly what it is. What
0: I found was 113 to 118.
1: 18, okay. And yeah. again, those are great hymns of praise that anyone can read in their, their Bible, mm-hmm. and you'll get the feeling for what they're they're saying.
0: Right. And I so I went and did that, because you kept referring back to where it talks about that they sang hymns and left. Right. And so I thought, oh, what are the hymns, and looking at this fourth cup, and you know, we didn't, we didn't do a lot of the the reading from the fourth cup. So I went and did my own to find out what those were. And when I read in Psalm 116, 1 through 4, which, I mean, I want to acknowledge that we don't know exactly what they sang. Or, but for me, in trying to, to think of Jesus as a Jew celebrating the Passover and his story and wanting to make it richer and more textured, when I read Psalm 116, 1 through 4, which I'll read, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me, and terror of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, please save me. And then to think about, he could have said those words. And then after they leave, we see him in the garden, praying... You know, Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine.
1: two fit together perfectly. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then to think about that cup, the cup of suffering, is that relating back to the these cups? That,
1: I mean, you can see the relationship.
0: Right, because the cup of, the third cup was the cup of redemption. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, and the interesting thing to me, too, is that the disciples were kind of in a fog mm-hmm. about understanding this. It was so contrary to what they were hopeful for and expecting. And, you know, Peter says, you know, they'll never kill you. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. said he was going to, to suffer and die, and yet Jesus knew, but the disciples, in spite of, in spite of all the hints that come here along the way and what mm-hmm. Jesus said expressly and fully, they just didn't get it
0: Mm-mm. which I have so much compassion for them because <laughs> I mean that seems so What you're gonna die and then be raised again
1: whoever heard of such a thing
0: right I mean and they would have seen him raise Lazarus and the, the young girl young girl yep yeah but even but he was raising them you know if he died who would raise him maybe was the question But, yeah, I mean, like what you were saying, they were expecting a a king, king. like an earthly king. Right. A warrior.
1: Right. To get rid of the Romans and set up the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So this idea of him dying was just totally contrary to their thought pattern.
0: Right. Which is interesting to think about that Jesus is referring to, you know, bringing God's kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, and how we can get so focused on the earthly kingdom and not what God is doing, not God's kingdom, Yeah, not what's going on in God's kingdom.
1: Interesting, too, to me is that the king of the universe is a theme throughout all these prayers mm-hmm. and blessings, mm-hmm. and I just wonder if we'd had a little more information about what Jesus said. I could see him as king talking about that, mm-hmm. but there's no, no record of him, and who knows, maybe they didn't use the king of the universe phrase back then. I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to wonder. To, you know, wonder about. So then we drink the third cup the cup is filled for Elijah and it's also interesting too in that last supper account how Jesus talks about he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they drank from it and then he said to them this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives.
1: It's interesting that the first covenant was announced at Passover, and the second Mm -hmm. covenant was announced as Passover. Mm -hmm. Right. Kind of like, you know, I I didn't really realize that Passover was the place where it gets introduced until I, I, I saw it here.
0: That is interesting. Well, and then always with the covenant is the sacrifice to seal a covenant. Am mm-hmm. I saying that right? Right. And the, with Abraham, they cut him in half and put a half on each side, and the,
1: the fire went through. It, God's presence went through. Through it. Yeah.
0: To make the covenant. And
1: Exodus 24, the elders go up to the mountain and they have a meal there, and the covenant is sealed.
0: And so then this new covenant is then sealed with Jesus' the, death, on the, death cross, on the cross, with him being the sacrifice. Right. So they sang hymns and went out. So that might be this fourth cup, which is the Psalms. And the fourth cup is the cup of hope.
1: Right. And the hope is also symbolized by the empty seat of the Messiah.
0: Right. At the table. Which in here uh, is called Elijah the prophet. Right. And was that, will you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, there, there are two thoughts that come, some connect Elijah to... Well, we know that it relates to Malachi chapter 4, where where Elijah is mentioned as coming back. Mm -hmm. Of course, Elijah didn't die, so uh, he's coming back possibly as the Messiah. In fact, uh, Jesus, they ask him, are you Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets or who are you? Uh, Some people think that John the Baptist was Elijah. Mm. That's a possible answer. Others say Christ is the Elijah
0: are they using elijah and messiah like interchangeably that it's
1: those who would say this some would use them interchangeably okay yes
0: and that's what it seems like in this one
1: yes it seems like that in this one
0: so then they do the fourth cup sing the hymns and then drink the fourth cup after the blessings and then there were all these who knows which i thought was interesting
1: right it's kind of like the 12 days of Christmas. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> you just say the first one and add the second and say them all. So on the, I'll just read the 13th one. 13, who knows? 13, I know. 13 are the attributes of God. 12 other are the tribes of Israel. 11 stars did Joseph see. 10 are the commandments. At 9 months, a child is born. At 8 days, a boy is circumcised. 7 days are the days of the week. 6 are the divisions of the... Mishnah. Mishnah. Five are the books of the Torah Four are the mothers of Israel Three are the patriarch fathers Two are the tables of the law One is our God That is in heaven and earth
1: So at that point the son Checks to see if the cup of Elijah Is still full I'm sorry father but Elijah did not come This Passover We have ended our Passover service in due form According to the traditions of our fathers Let our actions speak to him for he is with us tonight.
0: And then the one we had had some verses from Isaiah and Luke. And then what I thought was interesting is how it closes where it says next year in Jerusalem.
1: That's the hope, the new Jerusalem.
0: Oh, the new Jerusalem.
1: Yes, it would be it doesn't doesn't say new, but that's what they would what it would be referring to.
0: Because of the miss, hope coming, coming of, of the Messiah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Would you read that in Hebrew?
1: The Shana Habayah Berushalayim.
0: And then we closed with a hymn.
1: Well, it would have been nice to do, in a sense, run through it like we have before we ever did it. Maybe my introduction wasn't quite as as, no. <laughs> as, 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 as thorough as it. Was there was but, just so
0: much information. I feel like. Yeah. The next time I do a seder meal, I'll understand it. Yeah. More because there was just so much. There's just so much to take in.
1: Yeah. It's it's kind of like. When you play a new game, mm-hmm. you can give instructions, instructions, instructions. But what the person needs is just do a hand mm-hmm. in a card game, and mm-hmm. then you begin to understand it. Right. And you need the instructions at the beginning, but the instructions really don't prepare you f- no. fully. <laughs> you have to experience it.
0: Right, right. And so if, if someone is wanting to experience a Seder meal, and I mean, I think the, probably the reason I had never done it is because I never... I didn't know what it was. So this is what I'm hoping this will be an introduction to someone who maybe didn't. I knew that there was matzo ball soup and it had to do with the angel of death passing over because of the blood of the lamb. Right. But beyond that, I didn't know that it was worship with a meal. I didn't know about this order or the four cups. I'm hoping that this will be an introduction to someone. And then what would you say if they want to do to experience a Seder meal? What would be a next step for them?
1: It's kind of hard to say because very few people, Christians, have been to a Seder meal.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think is tragic. And I yeah. think it's tragic that it took me 25 years <laughs> to experience <laughs> one.
1: Well, again, I don't really have a lot of uh, hope that you can the average person can go out and go to their pastor and say, have you done a Seder meal? And he would probably say no. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult if you've never be, experienced it to lead someone through it. Right.
0: You know, are there books or resources? So I Googled, I, I Googled um, Halal. Am I saying that right? Yes. And I ended up getting, have you ever heard of the Maccabees? Yes.
3: <laughs> oh, obviously.
0: The young men that yeah. do all the songs. They have the Halals from Passover. And at the beginning of the video, which I'll I'll take this in the show notes too, it's the Kids are sitting at the table and their, you know, their faces are falling into their programs and they're so bored. And then these young men get up and they start singing some of the songs, songs. In, in funk or like a barbershop quartet. Oh, really? Or, you know, all, and then the kids are perking up and, you know, like just a little bit of a modern twist. All the same Hebrew words, right? but putting a little bit of a modern twist on it, twist on it. which I even thought was... I mean, that was interesting. So, I mean, it's, sometimes it's dangerous to Google things. <laughs> but, yeah, and maybe I'll, you know, we'll try to do some more research to try to figure out where people could find out more about this.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, as a Christian, I didn't experience one until I was probably 35. Mm. And I never even thought of it. In fact, I didn't know Jews celebrated Passover this way. But I went to a Jewish university, and... Had Jewish friends and mm-hmm. got invited to a Jewish synagogue and and felt very much at home because of my background. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would encourage people if they have a, a Jewish friend, talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, I was invited to the synagogue right away when I showed a little interest. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, you don't have to defend your faith; just go and experience it. Right. And they won't talk about Jesus there. And probably you shouldn't.
0: No, no, just But listen. it gives you
1: it gives you an opportunity later to talk to that friend and say, listen, I really enjoyed going to the Seder. And then talk to them about, had you ever heard about Jesus celebrating that Seder?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, there aren't Jewish synagogues in every town. No. So there will be a lot of people who will not have an opportunity to, to go to one. Mm-hmm. But here in the Twin Cities and any big city, uh, there will be synagogues and Jew- Jewish people around.
0: I mean, the the seder that you walked us through was something that someone else had, a friend of yours had prepared. Right. Right.
1: This is, and you might say, a Christian seder. Mm-hmm. Although we didn't emphasize the Christian part of it, we did mention it from time to time. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be more Jewish, because it's very very easy to make a make it Christian. Right. It's harder and, to make it Jewish.
0: Well, and again, I mean, for the purpose of what I had asked you to do. Jesus was Jewish, he was a Hebrew, and how was he experiencing Passover? I mean, that Passover was a game changer. Right. But how would he have experienced it? Because I really think that there's a lot that we miss out on because we don't know about Jewish culture. So when we go in and try to study the Bible, because you've talked about this a lot, how we look at the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. Right. Instead of looking at the Old Testament for... What it says. It, right. And to understand the historic social context, we have to understand a little bit about Jewish culture.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's something that I wish more Christians would do, more pastors would have experience. When I was teaching at Bethel, mm-hmm. I took my class, my Hebrew class, to a, a Jewish synagogue. mm and we we didn't go for Passover with the students, but every year I'd go with, the, we would just go to through a uh, service. Mm-hmm. And they would go through the liturgy that they would have at a synagogue and hear the quote sermon, which is usually very short, mm-hmm. and just kind of experience Jewish life a little bit. Because if they would have a friend who is Jewish saying that, that you you've experienced these kinds of things gives you much more credibility than mm-hmm. uh, if you didn't know anything about their traditions
0: right which then that goes to really any yeah. <laughs> any tradition any, any culture tra- sure yeah sure kind of to be a learner
1: yeah so i've had several experiences where i've uh, dealt with jewish people and having been to israel having mm-hmm. been an old Testament professor being able to read hebrew gives you also almost credibility instantly with that person because they, you identified with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to speak Hebrew. <laughs> I you guess can, I could if I wanted to learn. You
1: should play what all of the, the people at the meal spoke, the blessing.
0: Right. You so, d- gave it to us in Bets. Yes, I will put that sound bite in here.
1: So let's have everyone repeat after me. Baruch Atah. Baruch, Baruch, Baruch hatah. Hatah. Eloheinu.
3: Adonai
1: Eloheinu, Haolam,
3: Melech ha-olam. Melech haolam,
1: Borei pari. Borei pari. HaDma, HaDma.
0: Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about, or any other reflections that you had as we did it?
1: Well, I think the the only thing that I would add would be, I think it's important as you do this to take the opportunity to teach the children about it. Mm. Because the reason I didn't know about it is because my father didn't teach me. The reason you didn't know about it is because your father didn't teach you. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can educate our children about this, uh, that should be one of the priorities we should have.
0: Mm-hmm. I for sure will do this Yeah. again. And as I've told friends about it, they've all told me I should host one and, <laughs> and, <bite> them. and <laughs> invite and they them. they should come.
1: <laughs> well, and we can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh I have various books. Here's a book that I brought along. It doesn't. It has a Seder. Each of these are a little different. Mm-hmm. And basically, there's a free, from what I've experienced, there's a freedom to do it your own way. None of them that I've experienced have been identical to anything else. Okay. So if you have a basic format like this one here, mm-hmm. then you can adapt it or you can emphasize different things. You can skip things. It really doesn't matter. depends on how much time you want to take. You could right. read all the hails or you could read all the plagues. You can adapt it to whatever, whatever way you want to.
0: So what are the things that are always included? Just the, f- the four cups?
1: The four cups, the meal. Well, actually, the, when I went to the, the Seder at the Jewish synagogue, we didn't have the meal. Okay. We, he just said, now at this point, we normally have the meal. <laughs> <laughs> but then he went we on. To, then we <laughs> That was the meal. <laughs> 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 then he went on to the next thing. It's very adaptable to the situation you're in.
0: And whatever time, amount of time you have. Right,
1: right. It actually takes two to three hours to go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much time we it took. It took us two hours. Two hours, mm-hmm.
0: okay. From the beginning with the instructions right, till we were completely done with the four. It would have
1: easily couple. taken us three hours if we'd done all the readings.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I of?
1: encourage you, do it with your friends.
0: I, I will, I will. And I... Having the even the basic outline, like you said, having this to just as a place to start. I mean, I've already, I've already gone there. I've already, you know, started planning it in my head. And how I liked how you had everybody participate by by reading a piece of it. I will adapt it to modern English. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) the whole whole
1: thing needs to be rewritten in modern English. (laughs) Right. It, it's hard for an adult and it's hard for the children to read this. Right, exactly. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. No. <laughs> the, the the phrases are so cumbersome.
0: Right. Yeah, so I for sure will do this and yeah, I encourage the listeners too that if you've thought about doing this or this is something that you've been interested in, start asking questions of your of your pastors or if you have Jewish friends and or just start talking about it and see if there are people in your life that have any knowledge of it and and step toward it. And like I said, I will put um, some of the resources that we had, uh, you know, pictures of the plate and some pictures from the evening that we had, to hopefully give you a first entry into into how to do that seder meal.
1: I'm not sure we should maybe do a little research and see if we can't find a book on Google. That or Amazon Mm -hmm. that uh, they could follow similar to the one that we did,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And then if we find one, and hopefully, we 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 find one in modern English, right? Exactly, (laughs) that's a little more easy to read, yeah. English, not in Hebrew, and uh, modern English. (laughs) Although, I liked having in this it had some of the Hebrew characters, right? It's a
1: subtle way to introduce you to the, the language of heaven,
0: right? Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this, for hosting the meal and for introducing it to me and introducing it to my children, to your grandchildren, to have them, to hear them read the prayers as we went through it is, is a gift. I feel like to me to be able to introduce that to them and to pass on the tradition of, of doing this and telling this story and understanding this story better so that they can understand the story of Jesus better. So thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House Podcast. Any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes. We want to thank Isaac Turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And we'll see you next week on the Retreat House Podcast.